Hey, I'm Ryan French, your host, and welcome to Apostolic Voice. Reverend Jeremy Mills joins the program today. He's a veteran of the United States Air Force. He served in Iraq as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Jeremy preached his first sermon at the age of 15 and has been preaching ever since. And he's now a ministry veteran with over 20 years experience. His wife, Ruth, is an integral part of their ministry, and together they have six precious children, Cameron, Katera, Carl, Gloriana, Luke, and Jack Mills. Needless to say, they lead very busy lives. He serves or has served in the intelligence community. There's a lot of mystery there. And if we say anything else about it, our houses get raided in the middle of the night. So we'll just leave that right there. But Jeremy's real passion is church planting. Pastor Mills and Ruth pastor a growing church plant in Grovetown, Georgia called Promise Church. You can look them up at promisechurchupc.com. And that makes him a hero in my book. I've asked Jeremy on the program today to introduce his brand new podcast called That Will Preach, which you can find wherever you enjoy podcasts. So let's dive in. much for being on Apostolic Voice today, and I'd like you to take a minute and tell us what your podcast, That Will Preach, is all about, and what inspired you to do it in the first place. Thank you, Brother Ryan. Uh, it's my honor to be here today. Um, you know, I've always been interested in sermon notes and sermon prep. Uh, I'm that guy... <laughs> I'm that guy that's sitting there listening to Wayne Huntley or, uh, you, you know, any one of these uh, preachers in our conferences and camp meetings and thinking to myself, I, I would really like to be looking at his notes right now. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or I would like to find out what is his method um, to coming up with these stories and thoughts and ideas. Obviously, we know we understand that it is a divine inspiration, that it comes to, you know, many hours of prayer and study and just life and pastoring and ministry. But there still has, there still has to be a systematic system that these ministers have that, um, I, 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 I find that there's not a whole lot of conversation about sermon prep and sermon notes. Um, that Sometimes I, it feels like there's a big mystery to it. It really is. And I, I think that the, we ought to kind of open that door and let some, let some folks into our, into our studies and on our desk and let them see our, our rhythm and our routine of sermon notes. And so this has been always something that's intrigued me. Uh, maybe it's because I, I have, you know, at, at sometimes struggled with this because there wasn't really a whole lot of just sitting me down and someone showing me, Hey, this, this may not be the best way, but this is my way. And that's just kind of the way that I've, I've taken it. So from that, um, I've always uh, been intrigued by it. So this podcast um, will be just exactly that. So how many times have we been talking among preachers after service or over coffee or at the restaurant and we're sharing um, 
what we preach or the latest story we came up. And somewhere along the conversation, one of us will say, oh, man, man, that that a preach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's those little tidbits. I don't need, I mean, I've been preaching long enough now. I don't need the whole sermon. I just need a condensed version. Give me the highlights, the high points, and I can take it and put it, my spin on it and, and take the direction that I feel like the Lord leads me. Um, but sometimes it's just that little bit of inspiration that I need. And if I need it, certainly I know that others need. So each and every week, uh, hopefully around Tuesday, everybody's resting on Wednesday. Most preachers are. But around Tuesday, we're going to try to release a podcast that's less than 10 minutes, uh, just a sermon thought or an illustration. A snippet. Or a snippet or a story. or And sometimes I might deviate away from that. And, and kind of go into the sermon notes and the actual prep time of tools and websites and things available from myself, from my experience, and from the guests that we'll have on the show. So I'm gonna, I want to kind of get their thought on what they're working on, maybe a little story of tidbit like you say. But then I also want to know what websites they go, what, what Bible do they use, what Bible program, what what word doc do they use? Do they handwrite everything? Do they, you know? So that's that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm going, um, because you know each and every one of us has woke up Saturday morning, scratching our head, thinking, "Oh, man. oh God, oh it's Sunday comes every week. Oh man, yeah, and it gets here quick, <laughs> and it's not like." We didn't know it's coming. It's 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 always every seven days. It's going to be there, and we wake up Saturday morning thinking, "Man, if I just had, if I just had some little direction." And I'm not implying that we're not praying or studying or got our mind, but sometimes the week is busy, and sometimes even through our time of prayer and study and devotion, we just lack that inspiration and direction. And so maybe, possibly, and hopefully, that earlier in the week you heard something that kind of got the gears turning. And the Lord can just mold that over in your spirit and let it evolve into something that um, that is working. So I that, had an experience. I had an experience years ago where a preacher, his name is Lynn Spicer. He pastors in Iowa. I wish I could think of the city he's in, but he said to me, he's got a big personality. And I walked in and he said, "Hey Rev, you have any any heavy revies for me?" And I said, heavy revy? I'd never heard that before. And he said, yeah, you got any heavy revelations for me? Got anything that, you know, you're percolating in your mind? And that's always stuck in my yeah. head, a heavy revy, just like a little snippet, a little thought uh, that's bouncing around. And as preachers and teachers and anyone who's engaged in Bible study, you know, sometimes you'll have lots of little things percolating in your spirit in right. your notes, but it just doesn't ring. You're, you're looking for that that thing that bears witness with your spirit for that upcoming service or something that you're planning for. And um, I love the title of your podcast, That Will Preach. Heavy Revy would have been cool, but no one would have known what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, know, you share a few snippets? Uh, can you, I, I don't want you to have to redo your whole podcast because I know people are going to jump over there and listen to it. And by the way, I want to say it for you. Uh, if you'll go listen to That Will Preach, they're short episodes, 
but also go on iTunes and, and give it a rating. If you enjoy it, give it five stars, give it a rating and a review that helps move it up to where people can see it. And when you get done at that will preach, come back over to apostolic voice and give us five stars and a review as well. That helps us. But can you give me a, an example of the kind of things you're going to be doing and have been doing on that will preach? Yeah. So, um, here's the, I'll, I'll just give, I'll throw this one out for free and it's real quick and it preaches easy and you can run a million different directions. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a sermon thought and then I'm going to give you two sermon resources that's something for you to consider. So here's a sermon thought. Awesome. The Bible says that the man of God passed by the Shudamite woman's house. And when she seen her husband, seen that, that he had passed by, they built a room for the man of God. So I'm, I'm going to expedite this very quickly. We all know the story. Um, she built the room and finally he wanted to do something for her. He called her to the door. You know, you want me to speak to the king, to the captain of the host? You want me to bring the army by? You know, what, what do you want me to do? She said, no, nah, I'm content. I'm fine. Well, her, his servant found out she had no child. He said, she has no child. Her husband is old. So she brings him, uh, or he brings her to the, to the door of the room and said, about this time, according to the time of life, you're going to embrace a child. And immediately she says, nay, my Lord, do not lie to thy handmaiden. And what that means to me is she had already given up hope mm. that this blessing, that this blessing was going to be born. All right, the baby room was already faded, and the, the little onesies were tattered, and the rocking chair was broke. I mean, this she done gave up hope. And he said, no, according to the time of life, this is going to happen. So her blessing was born. Her blessing was born. I'm going to tell you, if these folks had enough money to build a room for a stranger walking by, they had money. Mm, yeah, in that okay. day. In that day, correct. Well, we also know that they were well off because the Bible says, and there came a day. We well, can stop right there and preach because each and every one of us has had their, and there came a day. You know, mm, yeah. it, it all blew up or it all fell apart. And there came a day he was out in the field with his fathers, with the reapers. And again, they had, they had hired servants to work in the field. So we kind of let you know. He said unto his father, my head, my head. And daddy said, take him back to mama. Mm. And he laid on her knee, knee till noon and then died. Well, d the Bible doesn't say what I'm fixing to tell you, but it implies. Verse 20, I believe it was, she said, he laid on her knee till noon and died. Verse 21, then she took him up to the room of the man of God, laid him on the bed and shut the door. Between those two verses, between him dying on her knee and she laying him on the bed, a decision was made. And this is the thought. I refuse to bury my blessing. Mm. That's powerful. And yeah. You can go a million different directions. If you're preaching to preachers who have been struggling, you can you say, hey, look, God's not done with you. It may look dead. It may look hopeless. God's not finished with you. If you're talking to saints, who is going through what it, it could have a million different applications. And so I refuse to bury my blessing, um, which is, I actually had a chance. I preached that at basic training. <laughs> That's a, and when wow. I share this, when I share this little story, I'm going to share to the audience, the story that happened at basic training. And it is hilarious. I just, I just want to take it. So that the kind of little tidbit. I'm going to take a verse give you a, a hopefully an interesting title or a thought 
something that you can really build up off of that. So there you go. I refuse to bury my blessing. And that's exactly what she did. And so you can continue on. I love that so much. And not only that, for preachers, it's a it's something that they can chew on throughout the day. But for anyone, really, that's an encouraging thought. That's something that you can take and it's inspiring. Really, anyone could listen to this and and draw a lot of inspiration and especially because they're so short and user friendly. It's it's not a long form podcast. And I like that. It's it's different than what I'm doing here, but I like the short form idea that you have. Well, my plan is a lot of us are, are very busy and sometimes we're just commuting in town and we're running up to the store or we're taking care of an errand or whatever. And we have a 15 or 20 minutes. You might be able to get one or two in, you know, while you're in the, in the vehicle uh, traveling. So that's a thought and that's kind of a, just a throwing that out there, some little tidbits that we're going to be doing. But I, but I also want to talk about sermon resources and one of them that I, I think gets so overlooked in that, and that is this. I, and I'm going to be doing a podcast on this one. I think, and it's my opinion, I feel very strongly about using old dictionaries mm. because there is a study, and I was trying to look for it last night. I couldn't find it, but I'll, 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 I'll have the link that when I talk about this. There is a study how that starting at the 1960s, they begin to change the definition of words, even even deviating away from the original Latin and Greek. Mm. Um, and so words have changed their meaning since the 19th. It, it was just a cultural revolution and rebellion against tradition. It's just, I'm not exactly sure, but, but it's, it's a proven fact. And here's the reason why. I have a word for you. And I'm going to prove it to you. The word is distraction. Now, every one of us listening to this will say, I know exactly what distraction is. Distraction means to pull your attention away from. And that's where we stop. And I, I would admit that's exactly what I thought the word distraction meant. Mm. Right? Fascinating. But... but According to Webster's Dictionary of the American Language College Edition, 1953, well, Ryan, listen to this, what the word distraction means, to draw one away from their direction, giving them mental relaxation and freedom from grief or guilt. Wow, that's fascinating. So the word distraction means you're going in one direction. It means to draw you away from that direction at the same time while getting you to deviate away from that direction. It gives you, you are to be, you receive mental relaxation and freedom from grief or guilt. So what that lets me know, the word distraction means I'm getting you away from your direction and I'm making you feel good about it. Mm. Wow. And so, if, but if you go, you look online right now, you're not going to find that. No. You look at a new dictionary, you're not going to find that. You have to go all the way back to the 1950s to get that definition. Some conservative linguists have called this phenomenon the war on words. Where, yeah. And we really do have a cultural war on words. 
it, not to, I don't want to go way deep into this, but even just the idea of boy and girl and right. uh, gender distinction, what is gender? See, whenever culture starts to pull away from reality and truth as being its underpinning, Absolutely. now you have to redefine words. It's the strangest thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's fascinating. I've never thought about going back and utilizing uh, dictionaries from a particular time frame. Is, is yeah. Webster your preferred dictionary in that, in that instance? It, it is. Webster is. I do have other ones that I look to. So every time I go to the Goodwill or a thrift store or a yard sale, I'm, I'm looking through the books and I'm trying to find the oldest dictionary that I can. If you, if, if you can't find one, you can probably go on eBay and, or Amazon and find an old used um, dictionary. And, and to your audience, I certainly would suggest that they do that. What and a I neat use, idea. I use that as a launching. Again, here's another tidbit sermon thought. I use that as a launching point from a sermon that I preached feeling good about going the wrong way. Mm. And I preached on Gehazi, a priest on Achan, a priest on Samson and Judas. At one point, they all received something that they wanted, which moved them away from the direction where they were going, and yet they felt good about they that. They felt decision. good about it. Mm. Yeah. So Boy, that'll was, preach. <laughs> that will preach <laughs> that will uh, uh, hopefully there's a preacher listening to this thinking man that will preach that's, pause that thing right there and take the notes <laughs> that's so awesome that's so awesome uh, and secondly um, is and I know this probably is already used but early on in my ministry when I found this tool it become one of the most helpful things to me. And it's so simple, but it is just simply using a thesaurus. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm um, big on that. Yeah. Because we, we tend to use the same words over and over. And especially if you're a pastor or a youth pastor or, or a, you know, a, that you, where you have to keep preaching to the uh, evangelist, maybe not so much, but if you have to stand before those people every week, they're hearing the same words. All the, and we don't realize it, you know, what we're doing. We're using the same words to describe the same thing. And using a thesaurus helps us step away. Um, and it helps us to deliver and be more articulate in what we're trying to say. Because sometimes we want to say it, but, man, that word just doesn't seem right. And we can hit we can hit it like four or five. We can, for me, what I do when I really want to punch it, I'll say the word that I would normally say, <laughs> and then I'll go to the thesaurus, and I'll write down in my sermon, I will, I will quote every other word that the thesaurus gave just to drive that stake in the ground. And so um, to me, it's just – and Microsoft Word, I use Microsoft Word right there at the top in the, in the tab of, of review. It comes with the thesaurus, and you don't even have to go online. It's right there in Microsoft Word. So these are little – tidbits and tips for sermon thoughts and sermon prep and writing notes that we will be discussing. And I will be discussing this with um, each guest. I will, they will be talking about their tools and resources. Hopefully we can get some, some good stuff. I'd like to give a, a quick little shout out to young preachers or aspiring preachers who might be listening to this and 
maybe they're feeling overwhelmed or unsure. I know that I certainly was. I was yeah. given so much conflicting advice <laughs> from <laughs> from great men, you know, uh, really great men that I admired, tremendous preachers, and none of the advice they gave me was wrong. That's the amazing thing. It was right for them. Right. And it took me a while to realize that I wasn't going to be able to do exactly what every one of these men did. Mm. I was going to have to take the good things that worked for me from each one of those things and eventually develop my own routine, my own style. And one of the things that you and I could talk about this, I'd be curious to know how, how you feel about it. But I remember being told by OC Marler, one of my mentors and dearest friends, he told me, listen, got to handwrite your notes, got to have it all on one page and never write anything out. Just uh, you just got to have like a sentence there that kind of gets you to your next thought. And then you go from that. Well, so the thing is, as when I first started preaching, I'm telling you what, I, that almost killed me because there were a lot of awkward moments where <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at this little handwritten page, you know, and then I look at my father and uh, he still, he handwrites his notes to this day. I don't yeah. even know how he reads them. They're so tiny. Right. Uh, it took me some time to realize that I did need to type my notes out. I needed to use... I'm not embarrassed to use size 30 font if I have to get it as big as I need. Now, for many, many, many years, I did that. I had, you know, 10 pages of notes and highlighted things and all of that. And over the years, I have gotten to the place where I use very, very minimal notes. But for a young, for a younger preacher out there, an aspiring preacher, I just want to encourage you, you don't need to feel like you have to start off where other people are that have been preaching for 10, 15, wow. 20, or 30 years. Right. Uh, and there's a pressure to do that. I remember it was really cool when I was in Bible school. There were a couple well-known preachers that would get up and preach with no notes at all. And that was that was really well known. It was widely circulated and they'd get up yeah. there and preachers would lean on them and say, Man, he doesn't even have any notes. He's just, you know. And uh and that, and that is impressive, but there's a couple things you need to remember that, about that. Number one, anyone who's doing that's probably been preaching for a very long time. Right. Number two, if they're a conference speaker, and they probably are, they've preached that same sermon a hundred times. Exactly. As I evangelized for many years, and even to this day, I have sermons that I preach so many times, I could get up and preach it from memory in a heartbeat, but I certainly could not have done that the first time I preached that message. So right. be careful when you compare yourself to those scenarios and don't feel like you're a lesser preacher or you're inferior in some way because you're having to work out uh, what works for you at a particular time. So let me ask you, brother, um, lots of notes, no notes, handwritten notes, type notes, what is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's a wrong way. Me personally, I used to handwrite everything. Mm, yeah. And then I went away from handwriting. Um, then what I would do, I would handwrite it and then I would set it up 
And then I would type those handwritten notes and then I would print them out and preach. I now have gotten away from all handwritten notes. I type, I print on paper. I never use a tablet. If I'm using <laughs> my, my, my laptop can fold down into a tablet. And if, and it, and if I'm walking in with that, it's either one, I'm out of ink or paper. <laughs> <laughs> right. Office, right. Or, or I'm still working on this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Had, uh, that's a scary thought. So, so, uh, me, it's tight and saved, printed out on paper. Uh, if I'm going to preach somewhere, I will put it in a three ring binder with little protectors just to be absolutely safe. Um, but never from a tablet. I just scared to death. My battery's going to go down. Something's going to happen. I'm going to have to preach by inspiration and, <laughs> and totally from memory. I, I do sometimes I'm kind of 50, 50 and I find myself in this category all the time because of my age. I'm, you know, I'm too old to be young and I'm too young to be old. So I'm just kind of in this weird middle spot. So sometimes I'll use a tablet. Sometimes I have notes. It just depends. But I will say, I will say, I was, I got sucked into the 100% tablet preaching for a few years, but I quit doing that. And I'll tell you why I won't, I won't use any names to protect the guilty and the innocent, but it I was at a camp meeting and the preacher uh, got, got up with his tablet and his tablet just absolutely turned off on him. It didn't die. It just quit working. Oh no! It was fully charged, hundred percent. It just stopped working, and I'm going to tell you, I have never seen a train wreck like that train wreck before. And again, I'm not using any names. Uh, sure. Many people would recognize the name. A great, a great man, and a, a good, a great preacher. But when right. that he did not have backup notes of any kind, mm. and it was a disaster, and. Uh-oh. And that moment taught me (laughs) I'm not going to rely 100% on a tablet. I know my brother Nathan, he will preach from a tablet, but he will also have his notes printed out with him somewhere just in case, just in case. So. Oh, you know, in the end, you, if you're completely reliant on a tablet, it is technology and technology does have that, that ability to glitch on you when you need it to work the most. That, that's correct. And, and one of the reasons why I want to have these guests is because we, I mean, I might have a guest on there that I get surprised by saying, I don't use no notes. And, and we're, and like you said, um, and I'm like, well, tell me how that works, you know? Um, or I may, we may get someone that says, I do handwritten cursive notes on 10,000 papers. Mm. You know, well, there, there's going to be a preacher out there that says, well, yeah, that's how I do it. And he's going to connect with that guest who says, I do handwritten, handwritten notes and that's it. Um, there, I'm sure another guest will get up and say, you know, I don't, I don't print them out. I do everything. It's all tablet all the time and boom, boom, boom. So, uh, hopefully we'll have a diversity of, of, of preachers and guests that will present their method in their way 
and it will resonate with some other minister out there listening says, yeah, that connects with me. That's how I do it. That, that will work. And again, um, we're not, we're not saying there's a right way or a wrong way. No. Uh, in the end, it, it is good to, and you also have to be open to the idea. Let, well, let me ask you this question. You've been, you've been preaching for 20 plus years now. Has, have you seen a lot of change in your style of preaching? Have you seen a lot of change in the way you study or has it been consistent all these 20 plus years? My study time has been about the same. Um, uh, on average, I would like to have about eight hours per, per lesson. And that's from like having absolutely nothing uh, to hit and print. Yeah. I mean, I, um, pr- uh, preaching wise. Oh, definitely. Simply because I have more life experience to, to pull from in my mind when I'm preaching more stories. I mean, you know, over 20 years of preaching, I got a lot of stories, a lot of illustrations I can peek and grab from. Whereas in the very beginning, not so much. I also, you know, and this might be another story for another day, but I don't know exactly what happened, but when I was in Iraq, I was nine months without going to church, mm. but I never, but I never missed church. Amazing. Because I made church wherever I was. Now I did go to one of the gospel chapels every sermon, every Sunday. Um, I got to preach there. Um, I, that was another story. I'm going to, I'm going to tell that story. It's very, very interesting little part of American history that is there. And I know but, that story and I'd love for you to tell it right now, but I, I, I know that it's good for you to save that for, for that <laughs> will preach. So I do want to encourage people to be listening for that because he has a story that is, it's a true story and it's amazing. So go be looking for that on that will preach. Yes. And, but something happened when I was over there. Um, my sensitivity to the spirit of God changed. It just, it's this craziest thing because I found myself ministering to these soldiers and these airmen, um, standing beside some equipment in the middle of the day. And I, the Holy Ghost just, I remember talking to this one sergeant. And she was talking and talking and talking. And she's really just, just going on and on and on and on. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Jeremy, she, she said, well, my friend, this, my friend, what do you think my friend? She had all these questions that she was wanting answers from, from her friend. And after about 30 minutes, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, she is not talking about her friend. She is talking about herself and she's embarrassed to let you know. And I said, wow. I called her name and I said, let's step outside. And so we stepped outside. I said, look, I said, the Holy Ghost just spoke to me. And um, you're not talking about your friend. You're talking about yourself. And immediately tears began to flow. She began to weep and cry. And from that time to the rest of the end of that deployment, I had a rapport with, with her to just be able to minister and talk to her. That happened, it seemed like, systematically all the time. And so from that moment, and that's where I can go back and say that's a benchmark in my life. That when I got back home, my wife and I started the church in Paris, Kentucky, and 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 from then to now, I have I have I have just seen a a change in my preaching to just 
minister in the moment at that time. And so I hope that that's a, probably a long way around answering the question. But and it's not a coincidence. God's just God just knows what He's doing when He when He positions us. That you're in a city now, Grovetown, Georgia, that has a lot of of military personnel. And yep. your ministry really makes an impact in that area in a, in a really powerful way because of your testimony and your life story. It does. And we're very grateful. Um, most people, if you ever go to our church website, you'll, you'll be able to see our, our, in our Facebook, you'll be able to see our steeple. Literally yes. the steeple on our church has the military Chevron in the steeple of the church. Most people won't get it, but the military do. Oh, wow. I've never, I've never noticed that. That's, that's so fascinating. I, I I look forward to looking at that. Yes. Um, you know, when we, we can talk about something, you know, I heard brother Wayne Huntley, we'll, we'll move on, but I heard brother Wayne Huntley, (laughs) he said this and I wrote it down one day. He said, if I hear a great sermon from, from someone else, the first time I preach it, I give them the credit. <laughs> he said, the second time I preach it, it was, it came from me. And the third or, or the second time I heard it from someone, the third time it was mine. After that, it was divine revelation. from heaven. Whether he was being, you know, uh, you know, whether he was joking or what, I took him at his word. I grabbed my little journal and I wrote that down. And I said, man, because I was about to fall off my chair. That's funny. I was laughing so hard. No, no one has more funny tidbits like that than Wayne Huntley. He's, he's, <laughs> he's amazing like that. Yeah. Well, let's jump. Let's talk about that for a second. Now, I know that you have an extensive notebook and note taking process that you do uh, with sermon thoughts and things like that. And one thing, again, I uh, speaking to young ministers or aspiring preachers, I want to say that it will become a lifestyle for you. If there's one thing that I, I've seen in common with almost every preacher that I've ever talked to, there's so many differences, but one thing that I see across the board, every preacher has some kind of lifestyle or routine where they regularly capture a sermon thought, whether it's on their phone, whether it's a piece of paper, some way, or some people do voice memos, whatever it is, or they email themselves. I text myself sometimes, <laughs> as, <Yeah>. as strange <laughs> as that sounds. I will sometimes text. Uh, I don't know if every phone can do this. Uh, for some that are are still in the uh, in the and I know that you are, brother. I'm praying that the Lord will bring you to the apple side where you can be blessed in, in the land of milk and honey. But I, I don't know if every device can do this, but I can actually send a text message to myself and it comes through like an email. And uh, I'll if I get a thought, because you know, brother, if you get a thought and you don't capture it, it will be gone like, I mean, it just will disappear eventually. And you've got to capture that thought. I have... Oh, I have hundreds and hundreds of thoughts that are, and some of them I wrote down, I don't know, like maybe 15 years ago. And I keep them, even though sometimes I go back to my old, old, old thoughts. And I think, dear Lord, what (laughs) I should have been praying (laughs) more, (laughs) but I actually keep them because it's, you know, I don't know why I keep them, but I do. It's interesting sometimes. And sometimes I do go back years and I think, 
and I feel an unction in prayer, and the Lord will say, okay, it's time. It's time for you to go ahead and develop this thought. And right. uh, so I know that you take notes. Uh, how do you do it, and do you have any advice for, for people who might be needing to learn how to live that lifestyle? I certainly do. It's funny. I text my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. It's a wonderful idea. Uh, well, because I, I, I haven't crossed over to the dark side. I'm still Android and Windows. Bless him, Lord. So, so um, I don't have, I can't text myself, or at least I hadn't figured that out yet. I do have a little notepad, but it's, 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 it's quicker just to grab it. And, and my wife would be like, what is this? And then now when she says it, like that she knows I'm at church or whatever, or if I'm just driving, and when she gets these random texts, she'll just know. <laughs> she just she just ignores it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or or she'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> say, that will never preach. You know? <laughs> that that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? I'm like, just wait. I'm working. You yeah, know. that's uh, wonderful. One one of the habits that I have. Um, and, and I might talk about this on one of the podcasts and get some more information, but I have a hardback journal. And when I say hardback, like I have all these journals and people know I like to write in journal and, and I get them and they're floppy. Like if you put them on your knee, it just kind of rolls over. It's mm-hmm. just very hard to write on. But I found this company and I don't have the name with me, um, but I, I can put it on the podcast. But I have this company that I order these uh, hardback journals, um, and they—I mean, you could—you could probably drop this thing off a bridge, and it's not going to bother it at all. They are quite expensive, um, but I feel that three of them already, um, and they're two and three hundred pages. I've filled them up uh, in the back. They actually are rated for a hundred years. The paper is—it says this paper. Is the design, um, you, know, you know, in the perfect condition, uh, it will last over a hundred years. And That's so it's neat. really, it's really worth keeping. And it's something that you can pass on to your children, um, that, that, that really is going to hold up and, and look nice on your desk or on your shelf. Um, a lot of times I carry them. It's black. It's got a gold, it's, you know, gold on the edges and a, and a, and a marker tad. It looks like a Bible. If you didn't know, you would have thought that it's a Bible. Um, but it's really, it's a, it's a journal, it's a notepad that I use to write down. And, uh, I will be going back into those and bringing some of those thoughts uh, onto the podcast. Another great idea that I've done for years is you can buy, they're a little hard to find now, but if you search, you can find them. It's called the note takers Bible. And you have to yeah. be careful because there's a couple different versions out there. There's a lot of times the newer note taking Bibles, it, you have the text and then you have this really narrow little side spot where you could just barely write something, which I don't care for. I, I like to buy the note taker Bible where every other page is a blank page or sometimes every other page is a lined page for writing in notes. And often, especially if I'm not preaching, I'll go to a service with that particular Bible and, That's a great idea. and I'll, I'll take a note and it'll be in the, in the reference there. And I don't know if this, if it's this way for other people, but I will often be in a service and hear, hearing someone else preach a, a, a powerful word and the Lord will give me a thought 
a sermon thought while they're preaching. It's not what they preached. It's it. Right. It'll That's come right. from that text. It, it do, may not even have anything remotely to do with what they were trying to say or do with that sermon. But something about the preached word and being in that environment and prayerful, and then the Lord just will drop something in my spirit. And I found that I have to write that down because once the service is over, it's gone. I'll never remember it. And I'll, but if I have that little note taker Bible, and that keeps me from having to pull my phone out in church. I'm kind of funny. I feel, I feel badly to pull my phone out in church. Even if I'm doing something highly spiritual, (laughs) you know, because, you know, people around me don't necessarily know what I'm doing. They might think I'm being disrespectful. And, uh, and, you know, I've preached enough against texting and playing games during church that I don't want to be viewed as a hypocrite or something. Exactly. 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 Well, do you have any, any final thoughts for for preachers or, or and especially maybe aspiring young preachers that along the lines of taking notes and a lifestyle of preaching that would be helpful for them uh two things number one don't be afraid to step away from your notes mm. and speak from your heart yeah don't just read so notes are great they're a great tool you know um i think they can be divinely inspired and help generations to come if we lead them and we turn them into articles and blogs and books. But when you're preaching, do not rely on exactly what's on that paper. Yeah, because that's good. We all know that we'll be preaching, we'll follow those notes to the letter, and then all of a sudden we hit a nerve. And you're looking out there, and it's time to step away. And secondly, don't stare at your notes. Mm, because yeah. you might be down here looking at these things you put so much time and effort into, and you're not knowing that that little girl on the front row is bawling and crying, and this man in the back row has got his head down and tears are falling. It's time to do something, either to to pray or to and and to stop it. again. Here's another point: don't be afraid to just say that's it. I've got five pages left. I'm on my second point. Holy Ghost is moving. People are weeping. People are jumping up and down, kicking over chairs, whatever. Shut it down. It's when you're done, you're done. When the spirit of God is done. And so that may, you say, well, man, I've got, you know, eight hours and, and five pages left. Well, right. it's, either, it's either for one of two things. That was either for you or that's for later. That's so powerful. And that is so important. Knowing when to stop. Don't preach past or through a move of the spirit. That's right. And we've all done it. Yes, we have. We have. Absolutely been many times where I got done and I realized I killed it because I would not shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, and they need to be comfortable. And and this does take a little time to open up the window of your life and show your faults and your failures and your shortcomings at times when it's fitting. There are some things that are personal. I understand but sometimes it's good to let people see the humanity side of us and um, say, oh, I, I've, I too, or if you have your testimony of God delivered you from something before you came to the Lord or, or even after coming to God, don't be afraid to step away, open up the window and let them look into your life. Because when people see your humanity and your brokenness and your sincerity and your tenderness, it's going to connect with them. Yes. And they're going to say, wow, he went through that. He overcame that. And look what the Lord has done. 
And so they need to be able to just, you know, share some personal story. Be genuine. Uh, to, to be real. Yeah. Um, I would, I would say to them, don't be afraid to let your emotions, we have to be in control of our emotions somewhat, but at some point, if you become overwhelmed with sorrow, and I've heard you talk about the preaching of hell, don't do it without crying. Yeah. Well, you better let those tears fall. And sometimes we are preaching a message of compassion towards people. And we become the spirit of God just moves upon us so much that we become tearful. Um, don't hold that back. Let those tears fall. If you get choked up, you got to bow your head, just get your sobbing out, get it out, get yourself together and move on. It's going to do a number of things. It's going to release something in your spirit. It's going to release something in the atmosphere and you're going to make a connection with them people that man, my pastor sure really loves me and he is just being moved. Um, with sincerity. And so uh, I would say to the young preachers, don't, don't be afraid. Of, don't be afraid to laugh. You know, yeah. don't be afraid to laugh. Don't, don't be, be afraid, afraid to lighten to put, up a little. That's right. Put some jokes in there. And I'll have to say this, Brother Brian, I'm the, I don't put jokes in mine. I don't put them in, but they always, <laughs> I say something and it's hilarious. It, it's, I don't put it in and I should, again, I'm still in the, the, you know, I'm still in this learning process. I don't put my humor in because I'm just humorous by nature. And people who know me know that's probably true. And <laughs> my humor just comes out and I laugh at myself. I'll stop. I have stopped one time and leaned over the pulpit and just busted again <laughs> because was laughing I couldn't control it and someone else in the in the sanctuary my brother he got to laughing and you know how it is when you're kids if you I don't know you look at your sibling and you can't you you, you start laughing well that's <laughs> it, it happened in the middle of my preaching and uh. I was trying to be so serious but I said something I said something and it just happened and I just apologized and I just laughed and so you know, don't be so starchy and, and, and trying to be all preachery. Just be you and uh, don't don't be afraid to cry. Don't be afraid to laugh. Don't be afraid to speak in tongues, jump up and yeah, shout. Yeah. We, all, we all know these things. So Don't be afraid to let your personality shine through, whatever that is. Correct. Correct. I'd that, like to give my... I'd like to give one last little tidbit. Yeah. That I wish someone would have told me much earlier in in my preaching and in my ministry. I um I I preached in in Bible school. I preached I think a sermon in when I was still in the youth group, but going back that far is a little fuzzy for me. But I went many years preaching and had never heard myself preach and went was a youth pastor an assistant pastor and then started evangelizing and i have this vivid memory of preaching a revival in hay hayworth hayworth california i believe that's right maybe haywood and the the church there did something that I, I I had never had happen. And this was, you know, because I'm 900 years old, this was before live streams were a big thing. And, you know, every service wasn't on Facebook or, or YouTube and things like that. So 
they they came to me and handed me a, at the end of the revival a box set of CDs. This is how old I am labeling myself right now, but a box set of CDs. And uh, I think it was 30 of the sermons that I had preached. It, was, it had been a long revival. And so I, they said, we just wanted to give this to you. And I said, oh, thank you. So I didn't really think much of it. And one day I had a long drive and I thought, you know what, let me just pop one of these in and and <laughs> you, you might know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Let me just pop one of these in and, you know, see, see, you know, it was a good revival. We had, uh, let me just hear how that went. And uh, I was stunned. I was absolutely mortified. Oh no! I mean, I, I picked up on verbal tics that I had, um, things that I was saying over, you already mentioned words that we say over and over and over again, uh, strange things, weird pauses, just now, listen, I understand when you're in the Holy ghost, sometimes things come across odd and audio and that's not what I'm talking about, but I just had, I just had a lot of bad habits, bad speaking habits that were distracting from my the message itself and what god was trying to do and it took so after listening to that first cd i I said i'm never going to listen to another i'm never (laughs) listening to myself preach again well the holy ghost convicted me and said you need to listen to this that's why i gave this to you you need to listen and you need to have the courage to say okay I've got some flaws here, but none of these flaws are things that you can't work on and fix. That doesn't mean you go out of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't mean you're fake or affected. It just means that you're pulling out some bad habits that you have that you don't even know you have. And it's very hard for people to tell you you've got a bad habit um, when you're preaching or do something extremely strange. And that was life-altering for me. And it really, really, really helped me to eliminate some things that were uh, hindering my preaching. And so yeah. I encourage young preachers, as, stra- as hard as it sounds, to listen to yourself. Fi- get, nowadays, everything's live streamed and on YouTube and everything yeah. else. It's not hard at all. Right. Listen to yourself. Don't be unkind to yourself, but listen with a critical ear. And be willing to say, okay, I caught an area that I need to be aware of. Don't let it paralyze you or, or, or make you have anxiety, but use it as a learning experience where you can say, okay, and start one by one where you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this habit out intentionally until you clean up some of the really, really rough, rough edges and things of that nature. So I don't know if that, have you ever listened to yourself preach brother? Was that a great experience for you or was it awkward? It, at first it was extremely awkward. I'm like, Oh man, I am never doing that again. Mm, yeah. You, you know? Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, my wife, my wife, sometimes she'll, I'll go back and listen. I will go back and listen. At first it was awkward. It's not so much now because I will be preaching. And as stated, Things will come to us, inspiration that will come to us while we're preaching that's not in our notes, that we have never thought about. And all of a sudden, it's like, bam. I'm mm-hmm. like, and, and the people are like, I'm jumping off the walls, right? Well, they have no idea. That just came to me. <laughs> yeah. and, you, 
And you can't say, hey, this just came to me, right? I mean, you can, and I have before. Sure, yeah. But, but a lot of times I'm like, and in the, in the back of my mind while I'm preaching, I'm like, this is really good. I mean, thank you, Jesus, for this word of knowledge and wisdom and uh, an anointing. And so when those times come, it's not like you can stop right in the middle of your preaching and write that down. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Well, 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 Brother Ryan, let me, say, let me say this. I have to make a disclaimer on that. I did one time. That's one funny. Time, it was so good. I knew, and we wasn't, rec- I knew we wasn't video and there was no recording. At that point, we hadn't, we had just started this church here and there was nothing being recorded. And that point was so powerful. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. I just, I just stopped in the middle of the service and I said, give me 30 seconds. And I wrote it down and I kept on. <laughs> and I don't know if I should have, should have or shouldn't have. I don't know. But man, it did happen. So, But it's not like you can do that. So going back and listening to yourself, especially if you know that something was said um, that that really inspired you, that wasn't in your notes that you can implement later. And so I think that might be a benefit of that as well. Isn't it humbling when that happens? Cause that's a complete God moment. You know, yeah. that didn't come from you. Now you that's studied right. of course, and poured time and prayer into it. And the anointing was, was cultivated, but God just drops those thoughts when you're preaching and teaching. And it can be very humbling because you, you realize God just really did something amazing that I had no intention of doing before I stood up here to speak. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I love those moments. Okay. So we've been talking about that. We'll preach Jeremy Mills, new podcast. Go check that out. I want to transition and talk a little bit about soul winning and Bible studies because you are a church planter mm-hmm. and I grew up in home missions. I think we've talked about this before. I have a real, I have a real genuine respect for you and men and women like you that carve out a work for God. I, I just think you're the heroes of our day. And when you carve out a church, when you plant a church, you don't just get up and preach. You have to start by winning people one-on-one. Right. And you have a, a heart for that. Sometimes churches like my church, you know, we're 50 plus years old. We, we can lose sight of this vital aspect. And the Lord's really been convicting me about it. We need to get back to it. Can you talk to us about one-on-one soul winning and Bible studies? What does that look like in the 21st century? Do you have any methods, uh, any, anything you can tell us that would be helpful to us? Uh, I know we... It, everyone listening would appreciate it. Absolutely. So here's what I want to speak to, and this could apply to any pastor in any ministry, but, but I want to speak to that home missionary. Good, good. That, that North American missions or whatever organization that you're in that that's planning churches, the church planner, let's, let's, let's talk to the church planner. Here's the thing about a church planner. You ha- are in a, an amazing position to reach people. And here's, here's the reason why. Let, let me give you a little background. I am pastoring by calling. I'm a carpenter by trade. And so I have worked in construction my whole life. And so I know just 
enough about every little bit of residential construction to either get it halfway done or to YouTube it and finish, finish, <laughs> finish, figure it out. Yeah. Right. But there's some stuff I don't know. There's some, well, there's some stuff I can do. I'm not going to do it because I'm horrible at it. Like drywall. I mean, if you want your drywall to look like 19 or a hundred year old stuck go mud on the like horrible. I mean, I cannot do drywall. I do not know how those guys do that. And the reason why I say that is because a church planner probably doesn't have a building. And if he's renting a building or he has, you know, got a building and now he's got to fix this thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, here's what I've done at Promise Church. And we did this at Abundant Grace in Kentucky. When we would hire people to come that would offer a product or a service on the actual property of the building. You can walk up to them and here's what I say. Here's what I say. I say, look, I want to invite you to church. It's not like you don't know where we are. Nah, that's, that's so good. <laughs> and I have done that with electricians. I had my electrician come. I've had drywallers come to church. I have HVAC people come to church. I've had delivery people come to church. We, my neighbor here, I told him what we was going to do. I said, we're going to put stucco and stone on this building. He said, oh, man, I got a great stucco and stone guy. I said, all right, give me his number. I said, I don't know anybody. He gave me his number. I called him um, and shout out to you know, I'm Pentecostal Church, She's for Christ and Christmas for Christ. We got grants and we totally redid the outside of our building. It's with beautiful. Brand new roof, brand new porch and sidewalk uh, and stucco and stone. Well, my stucco contractor came out and it was in the middle of the summer. It was hot. And every other day I would come over to see the progress and I'd go around to each one of those guys. I'd invite them to church and I think, you know, you know, you know where we are, you know, <laughs> and, and I remember down towards the end, they was working on the last column on the corner, corner of stone there. And there was a guy by the name of Jason. And I said, Hey, Jason, I said, man, I'd love to see you come to church. And they were finishing up. That was on a Friday that next Sunday. So a couple of days later, him and his family walked in. That's neat. <laughs> Two months later, I baptized her. A month later, I baptized him. That's been going on two and a half years from now. I baptized uh, another family member of their church. They have brought numerous visitors. Um, we have helped them in just, it has just been an amazing. These are some of the most faithful. He was a co-owner of that company. These have been some of the most faithful people Um if they if they are not going to be there, I get a text, Pastor. We are we are we are sick. We're, I'm working late. We're not going to be there. They love the church. They have fell in love with God. They have come such a long way, and it just simply came from me going to people who are already coming to your to your building. So, to me, a, a church planner he gets to participate and to celebrate. That's the key word to celebrate. First, first revival, first baptism, mm. first, first and, 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 uh, both churches for the first year. I love 
the first year of planting a church. I'm talking, we celebrated our first microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. You are looking for something to celebrate. And if there is a, a, a church planter that's listening to this, they are shaking their head and probably saying, amen, brother. I mean, you celebrate your, we made a first, you get to celebrate the first of everything. The first evangelist, the first revival, first baptism, first baby dedication, first, first, you know, whatever. Um, I remember, um, and I'm kind of getting sidetracked, but, but you get to celebrate. What I'm saying is this, not only do you get to celebrate the first of everything, you're the first person to go into your city and get electric. I know this might sound simple. Get a, the electric bill put in your church's name. Mm. Now talking to that person, okay, at the counter about your church, and then but they are now connected to your church. But that one moment, their job is connected to your church on getting the water turned on. And they the feel gas. that connection, don't they? They do. And if you will go in there, introduce yourself Hey, my name is, I'm Pastor Jeremy. I'm starting a new church here in Promise Church. We would love to get electric. Or my name, my name is Jeremy. I'm the pastor of Promise Church. I need somebody to come pick up my garbage. Is your company going to come and do it? <laughs> Let me invite you to come to church. Because guess what? Your people know where we are. Yeah. You're picking up my garbage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Insurance. Insurance. Uh, any and everything. If you go buy church at Costco for your church supplies, tell the people, hey, these, this toilet paper and paper towels is for God's people. And boom, you get to make this, you get to, you get to make that connection. So, I mean, obviously this could go for anybody, but as a, as a church planner, you're looking for ways to connect with as many people and throwing, throwing the seed out there as much as you possibly can. I have found I have found that to be a tremendous asset uh, to getting Bible studies and getting people to come and visit your church because they don't know you. Nobody knows you when you go into that city. And and that is just a great way to get the, get the word out there. You know what you're describing is a lifestyle of outreach. Yeah. And I think in church planting, there's almost a de- a desperation. I, I feel like I'm not saying it the right way, but there's a desperation that come and an excitement and an urgency and a freshness to it that it's it's natural to be that way for for people listening who may not be in a a church plant environment. Everything that he's describing, we may not can celebrate first things necessarily, but. He's right. just describing a lifestyle of outreach where everywhere you go, you're inviting people to church. You're telling people about your church. You're, you're being positive and you're making a connection. And I think that's something that we could all take a lesson from to just simply connect with people in a, an engaging way where we live a lifestyle where we're inviting people to the house of the Lord. Yes, absolutely. And, and the, you got to get creative as a church planner. You've got to get real creative um, on how you don't get the word out there. Because until, until you're, I mean, you're in, I hate using the word, you know, competition, but it, it is what it is. You're in competition to churches that's been in that community for a hundred years or have 2000 people. Um, 
And so, but what we understand is the message of deliverance and the gospel. Um, and don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by your facility or what you have to offer because what you have to offer is life changing. And you know that, or you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Um, so and don't be, don't be thankful, be grateful, bring people. Don't be intimidated to bring them to your building, to bring them to your house or whatever. You just, you, because here's the thing, here's the deal. We all know this and understand this. It doesn't matter how big your building is and what programs you have going on. If people are not being, if their life is not being changed, it makes no difference. What they need is the That's power right. of the gospel. That's right. And the power of the name that would deliver them from their sin and their addiction, and they need a change in their life. That is all that matters. They will sense your sincerity, and the presence of God can move in such a tremendous, in a tremendous way. I sometimes tell people, and it, this doesn't mean I'm against pretty buildings. I'm all for it if you can. But in most yeah. cities, the prettiest building in that city is the courthouse. And no one wants to have to go to the courthouse, you know, so we don't need to have any kind of inferiority complex about our building. We just need to create an environment where people can feel God, know God, serve God and be changed by God. And that, that really does what people are looking for. A lot of great buildings out there that people don't want to go to. And now saying that you have a beautiful building. And uh, I know it didn't start off beautiful, but it's no. beautiful now. And you have an amazing testimony connected with that. Could you share that uh, for my listeners? Absolutely. Uh, Brother Ryan, this is just an amazing story. It so really is. Before, before I give you the testimony, let me tell you where it started. Um, a part of it. It started in my heart at this moment. And again, again, here is a story and an illustration for a sermon. It happened in one sermon. We was having church in a high school auditorium. It's very expensive. I remember that. Uh, yes. And with a lot of work, I mean, we set up acoustic drums. It got so bad. I, I made me <laughs> a cart. I made me a big, long cart that had wheels on it and a string and we would load the drums and we would drag them through this high school and set up. And, and when the church was over, the kids was riding it down the hallway. Um, but I preached a sermon. Mm-hmm. I came across a story about a city in Alaska. And th- the story said this. It said this city council got together and said, we are a dying city. If we do not do something, we're going to be a dead city. And so they reinstated the Homesteaders Act, and they went out and they purchased land outside of cities, and they put it out to the, to the bottom 50 states. If you want to come to Alaska and to our city, we will give you free land. All you have to do is come up here and claim it. Wow. But there was three requirements. Number one, they had to make the journey. Number two, they had to build a house. Number three, they want, they wanted them to raise a family. So have children. And I preached, my city is a dying city. 
And if the church don't show up, it's going to be a dead city. Mm, that'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> <laughs> and what the church needs to do is to make the journey, build a house, and have some babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And I was building my house at the time, and actually I was up in the stairs, upstairs framing my office, and I took a stake, and I literally cut a stake out of a piece of two before, and on one side, it's right over there on my platform, on the pulpit, I wrote Acts 2.38, I flipped it over, I wrote Promise Church, I flipped it over, I wrote One Lord, One Faith, One Baptism, flipped it over, Acts 2.38, and the date, I wrote the date on that stick. And I had some people come over to the church and we prayed over it. We anointed it with oil. I walked, because we were fixing to rent this building. And I went and I literally took that stake and a hammer and I drove it in the ground. And I, I put so much, a lot of, so much anointing oil on that stake, <laughs> it was splattering. I mean, it was just splattering. Right on. And I drove that thing under the ground and I said, I claim this property for the kingdom of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Incredible. When I shared that with brother Mark Maddox and brother John Omas at a section conference, I told them what I did and they both looked at me and said, ask that man to give you that property. Mm. And, I, and brother, brother Maddox just spoke into my spirit and Brother Omas, Brother Omas just, he just grabbed me and laid hands on me right there. And he went to pray and speaking in tongues. He said, it's going to happen. Going to get a quick plea deed and boom, 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 boom. And he just, man, he just spoke it. Well, I just had enough faith to believe. And so I believed. So I went to the owner of the building. And it was a, a church prior to us. And I said, all right, sir. I said, here's the deal. I'm going to ask you if you would donate that. I, donate that building to us. I didn't know this guy from nobody. Okay. You'd never met I'd him at all. Him. No, I, I'd met him a couple of times when he come and unlocked the building and showed us the building with the yeah, will, but no know, real we'll, relationship. None. I was a stranger off the street. And I said, I'm asking if you would give me this building. I said, but what I'm asking you to do is don't give me an answer. I'm asking for 30 days. He said, okay. I said, I'm asking also for permission. Can I have a lawyer look into the building? He said, yes. The Bible says without works, faith is dead. Yeah. Um, and so we went and I hired a lawyer to write up the, a quick deed for the building to give <laughs> it to us. Like the official papers done and done. All he had to do was sign it. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. I showed up to his house and I told my wife, here's what's going to happen. We're going to walk in that house. We're going to make our presentation. He's going to give us the building and we're going to walk out and that's what's going to happen. We speak things into existence, the power of the spoken word. Let me say this before, I, and I think folks already see what's happening. But if I would have said, no, no, no. If, if after a miracle, we say to ourselves, oh my, I cannot believe that, uh, instantly, we forfeit, I believe, what God's going to do. 
Because if we say, oh, my word, I cannot believe it. Well, you already stated, I can't believe it. So we're I'm speaking not down. Going to, we're speaking down even after the fact of a miracle. Ain't that amazing? God yeah. does a miracle. We're like, I can't believe it. Boom. You just, you just done pull all the air out of the atmosphere. It's a heart revealer. Yes. So I said, it's going to be done. We walked into the house. We sat down. We chit chat a little bit. I said, okay. I pulled the papers out. I pulled the papers out and set them on the table. <laughs> I said, I said, here's the deal. I love that. I'm, I'm asking if you would donate this property to, uh, to our church. I said, but before you answer, there's something you need to know. I don't have any money. I can't get any money. I don't know people with money. Just so you're clear, I'm not sitting on a big stack somewhere. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a millionaire in my back pocket and I don't have a line of credit to get this. So just so you're clear. This is it. This is it. This, this is all is I've it. got. Silver this and gold have I, I none. Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me and said, will you keep it a church? He said, I'm sick and I'm dying. Will you keep it a church? I said, absolutely. Mm. He said, if that's the case, where do I sign? And he signed that property right here. Praise on God. the main highway, right outside of our city. A great location. Don donated this property and this building to the kingdom of God and to God be the glory. So let me say this to a um, church planner out there. The Bible says, all the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. The scripture says that the Lord said, if I wanted gold, I wouldn't ask of you. If I wanted silver, I wouldn't ask of you. The Lord said, I have gold and silver hidden in the earth. You don't even know anything about <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That man donated this building and through giving of sheets for Christ and Christmas for Christ, uh, it has been renovated 100% on the inside and the outside. Uh, hopefully this coming year, we're going to double the building with an education center. And it's just going to be amazing to God be the glory. Here's what I do want to speak into the heart of a, of a, um, church planner. Go find you a building. Go find you a building that you want that's not being used, that's empty. A church, a store, a building, a piece of property. So many times, Brother Ryan, we look at the scripture where the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. Mm. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We always think that the Lord was talking about asking and receiving from him. But I don't, I don't think, and I don't believe that's what he was talking about. Yes, it is. Yes, you have not yet because you have not, and you do not receive from me. But why can't I take that verse and say, I have not from mammon or money, people with money, people with position, people with authority and means in my community. I have not because I'm not walked up to them and ask them, would you give me this property? Would you give me this building? Would you offer your services? Will you donate your product? We have not because we ask not. It's not going to hurt anything 
if you ask someone for their property. How big is your faith? How great is your God? Here's the deal. Here's what I believe. Yes, these people will donate property and buildings, products, and services. And you can say how you want, right or wrong or indifferent. A lot of times they need a tax write-off. Yeah, yeah. They need a tax write-off. And they need a big one. It was a great year, and they got two hundred thousand dollars. They need to. They need to get off the book. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have not because we ask not. I'm gonna go ahead and and, and I'm gonna tell you this. This building had no drywall. Believe it or not, folks, and for you construction guys out there, you're gonna say what? <laughs> it had painted quarter inch OSB plywood on the walls and the ceiling. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) It had no air conditioning. No wonder the church didn't work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It had no heat. It had no central air. When we decided to remodel the inside of this building after six months of coming here, I was preaching in Iuka, Mississippi for Brother William Lambert, and the Holy Ghost came upon me during that service, and I said, and I spoke, I said, I believe that the the drywall for our building will be donated, and in two weeks I will call your pastor and tell him that it's happened. I came home. I was at the church. Within a week and a half of speaking that into his service, a tractor trailer, Ryan, pulled up to my church, unloaded the entire tractor trailer for every stitch of drywall, that was needed for this building, two pallets of mud handed me the invoice. It said zero and they drove off. And were these people that you had ever met before? No. <laughs> wow. Isn't God good? There was a man in our church who had contacts, but I can't say for sure. That's more than likely. I'm going to assume that's where it came from, but it happened. Okay. This building, we got a quote for AC for $20,000. I mean, I have $20,000. That's how much it was going to be. Well, in a a long story, the company that came out and put in the AC took him six months to give me an invoice. He wasn't even going to give me a bill. I I kept asking him because I didn't want to be in debt to him. He's all right, fine, whatever. He sent me a bill. He put in, in, and and if there's an AC guy listening, you know, it was ream five ton and a three and a half ton split units, two separate ones and did all new duct work and vents and everything. It was over $20,000 worth of work. He sent me an invoice for $3,500. We paid the $3,500 a month later. He sent us a check back for $500. Incredible. Our kitchen custom made cabinets donated. Um, I could just go on and on and on. We miracle after miracle. Yes. Don't be afraid to ask people in your community if they would donate their service or their product. And if they tell it from a church, God moved upon the hearts of the Egyptians. And what happened? They loaded the children of Israel down Mm -hmm. gold and their silver and their jewelry. What did that do? What did that do? It financed the temple. It financed the tabernacle. It was used in the tabernacle. 
God moved upon the hearts of the Egyptians to give. And I'm telling you, to, to, to church planners, God will move upon the heart of construction people and inspectors and business people to donate products and services to your building if you'll just ask. If, if they say no, it didn't hurt. No, no. Nobody got hurt. No one got hurt. They didn't think any less of you for asking it. They're not going to say, oh, my goodness, that preacher down there asked me to donate. It probably happens all the time, truth be known. So how many times have we missed the blessings of the Lord simply because we ask not uh, from those who have means? And so that's what I say to them. The hand of the Lord in faith. And all of us can take lessons from this, whether we're church planters or not. The lesson of faith that's there is relevant to everyone listening right now. I want to close with this final question that I wanted to bounce around with you for a moment here, because I know being a pastor, a church plant pastor, bivocational, winning people, outreach, you have uh, six kids, a marriage, now you're podcasting, writing, and trying to find some time to sleep in the middle of all of that. <laughs> Let's talk about ministerial balance for a second here. How do you personally balance all of these things and stay healthy? Late nights and early morning. Yeah. <laughs> and and coffee, maybe. That's right. That's right. Um, I'll be honest, Ryan, I, and, and my wife, if would test testify you i have a shortcoming and that is keeping a schedule it's it's sometimes unfortunately and it's my character my personality which is i'm trying to do better uh i'm flying by the seat of my pants half the time um but we do have a a rhythm to our life we try to take mondays as a rest day because every yeah. pastor knows saturday and sunday's work day yeah, um, grueling. We try to take, right. We try to take Monday and we can Tuesday to just rest. So that's your um, weekend. That's my, Monday and Tuesday is our weekend. Um, we try, we have just recently bought a camper and right outside 20 or 25, 30 minutes away is uh, Clark's Hill Lake. We can grab that camper and be over there and set up and be in front of the lake with bike trails. And we'll do that on a Monday or Tuesday or just whenever we can. And we just got to get away, away from the house, away. Because even though you're in your house and I know it's our sanctuary and it's our haven, but sometimes it's getting away from that. And you don't have time or money to run down, you know, go to Savannah or go to, to Atlanta or wherever to get out and go on some big, but, but we can just grab, grab that little camper, head over there, throw some groceries in, put the bikes in the back of the truck and, and have some time. And so we really try to make time for family because if your family unit is healthy and your mind and spirit is rested, then you can do anything you need for the kingdom of God and, and family first to me. Um, you just, you, it, it, it doesn't work trying to stand behind the pulpit if you're exhausted in your mind and you got marriage is just, you know, you're, it, it all happens. We all have our, our tussles at, at times, um, but you just iron that stuff out 
and and connect with your children, uh, your ministry and your mind and your spirit is going to be more clear, more sensitive, more pure and genuine. You don't, you don't want to have to press through all of that to get to the place where you can minister. And to me, taking time for family, uh, I know it's crazy. And you have to be really, really on top of it um, and do some creative things to make it happen. But it is, it can happen. It does happen um, when our children are, are school age. Um, so at least the, the bottom four are in, are in school. And that does kind of give us a little bit of break. Um, we don't ever get nighttime dates. Most of our <laughs> dates are lunches. Yeah, lunch dates. You lunch have to be dates. flexible and creative. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so uh, that's it. But it, it, it's certainly worth it when you see those new converts being baptized with all the ghosts. And- that's right. And I know you and your wife are a team and your whole family is a team. And that, and that brings camaraderie to it as well. That's so important. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you, Brother, Brother French, for this. It's been an opportunity, wonderful opportunity. I've enjoyed talking to you. I'm excited about this podcast. Uh, I will say this, one more little plug in for it. Uh, I have already confirmed with you. I'm going to have you come on as soon as we can. And I'm looking, looking forward, forward to it. To, yeah. Yes. I've, um, most people might know David Tipton. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Mississippi, a dear friend of mine. He's preached for us a couple of times here. I've already spoken to him. He's going to be on the podcast. And if anybody knows anything about Brother Tipton, that guy is a storyteller. Yeah. He has the best stories. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pick his brain on where he gets these stories and how does he have such a great archive of stories. So you don't want to miss David Tipton. Um, I've confirmed with Brother James Maroney. Um, Brother Maroney's will be here on the podcast. Lane Coon. Uh, his dad, Carlton Coon, I'm going to have him. What I want to know is I want him to talk to us about uh, the difference between his book writing and his sermon writing. Mm, that'll be interesting. Uh, yes, yes. I want to know how does he turn the switch to, 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 to either or, or is it just the one? Is his book his sermon or is his sermon his book? So looking forward to that and uh, many, many other, many uh, more. And hopefully I have spoken to Brother Wayne Huntley a couple of days ago via text message, and he said he'll be available sometime next year, first part of the year. I hopefully, is my plan, have Brother Huntley on. I'm going gonna, gonna to bring that comment back up that he said and see what he has to say. That'll be awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We love you, brother, and we appreciate you. Thanks for being on Apostolic Voice. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Well, bless you, my friend. 